0: Grant. Oh! Oh. A Curry with the drive oh. blocked by Jackson. Bain, step back
1: three, Bingo! Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the latest episode of the Core 4 Podcast. I'm your host, Xavier Dotson. I'm here with my co-hosts, David Buckler and Matthew Gill here for your weekly podcast of hardcore grizzly news and nba news i know i wasn't here last weekend um i was a bit sick under the weather but my boys matt and dave held it down they gave you guys a good podcast i know it was a lot of controversy because matt had something to say about tyers jones and then he basically sort of ate his words because tyers proved had a great game that next night so i know there was a lot of talk around there
2: Hey, I, I disagree. I think that made me look even better, dude. I, I I wasn't saying that Tyus stinks, man. I just think like if if they're gonna move forward, and you're not the only one that said it. There were other people that like were commenting before they had even listened to the podcast, like within 15 minutes of it being up, like there was no way they'd heard that part yet. My whole thing was just I think Tyus is going to be the key. Um, if they do end up trading him to, to maximizing their opportunity to get another all-star. Uh, a guy on the wing that can help John Morant score a little bit in the future, though I think I think I I should have maybe been a little bit more clear on that that that's not coming this season by any means. He's been balling out, and you you're right he, he has looked really good.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I know that probably boosts our ratings up right there. That one little clip of that line right there. Yeah, a couple, then, couple um, hate
2: hate listens on that one.
1: Yeah, but yeah, but the Grizzlies they really did had a good week last week. They finished well. They ended their winning streak. It ended at six. Um, OKC beat us. So uh, hopefully we can uh, move forward and, and make another streak. we we'll play tomorrow against the Denver Nuggets. And then, I mean, we got some big games ahead. The Denver Nuggets, back-to-back against the Suns, and then that Christmas game that everybody is waiting for against the Warriors. And, I mean, along the line, we've we seen this team trust a lot of players, and players have stepped up. And two players that come to mind that can possibly be all-stars heading to our first segment in which we're going to have a debate on Jared Jackson and Dylan Brooks. Of course, we know that Jai's on the path to be a second-time all-star this year. But like I said, it's two other players right now. Really, could have been three, but Desmond Bang, he's out. He hasn't really played that many games. Two other players with the Grizzlies have stepped up and look like they are deserving to be first-time all-stars, and that is Jerry Jackson and Dylan Brooks. Matt, do you feel that both players are pushable to be in Utah this season for the All Star weekend?
2: I, I don't see it. The only path would be a bunch of injuries, and and I kind of wrote down my list of who I think is going to be uh, coming out of the West, and and there are some guys on it that are injured currently or have a have an injury history. So it's not impossible, but I think the the thing with Jaron, I think he's very well deserving if you only take the the small. Um, sample size of the 13 games. Um, But it's just not enough games, in my opinion. Now, there is plenty of games left. Until the All-Star break, we got a ways to go still. And by that time, he will have a bigger sample size. And when you stack him up against other guys like Anthony Davis, um, Steph Curry, who I think both are locks to be in it, Steph's going to miss some time. AD's missing some time right now. So I think it's a great debate. He's going to have to continue on the trajectory he has been. I kind of looked at my list right now as, as, as of right now, if the all-star game was tomorrow, who would be on it. And I just don't see a path where he makes that list right this second, but he absolutely can continue to uh, play the way he's been playing, be one of the best defensive players in the game and uh, keep contributing on the offensive end, which he has um, come down a little bit back to earth in the last couple of games, especially in that Milwaukee game, struggling with the foul trouble. Um, definitely was not great. And that's something we've seen a lot from him. But he has looked great. If it was, you know, if we're talking, uh, an award like we're going to talk about later, like most improved, he's a guy who we talked about. It's insane how much better he's looked coming off this injury. And looking at Dylan, man, he's been on a pretty good offensive stretch. He had 31 or or so in that Thunder game. I, that's not something that's sustainable to me. And the other thing to consider is that he's just not going to get any kind of, um, He's not going to get any votes from anywhere outside of Memphis. So it's going to take a yeah, nobody likes weekend. him. exactly. So it's going to take only the city of Memphis to get him in the All Star game, and that's tough because he is playing great. And also, defense just isn't rewarded. If you if you're just a lockdown defender like that, it's tough to make the All Star game. That's my opinion. I don't I don't see either one on that list quite yet. Yeah,
1: you you're right about that. Uh, Dylan isn't a likable player outside of Memphis, so he would not get those votes, especially from Golden State. Uh, Dave, how how are you feeling? Do you feel that Jaron at least will be able to – we could push him into the all-star
0: standings? When it comes to uh, Dylan Brooks and and Jaron Jackson, I I think Matt's right on the mark there that uh, the path for both of them is going to be difficult, but Jaron's more deserving in general. The problem is the West is loaded. There's a lot of really high-end – and, and, you know, I, I went through and did some kind of a similar exercise you did, Matt. I looked at what would be my list of the guards from the West, just the guards. If we're talking specifically with Dylan Brooks. I mean, you know, John Moran's going to make it. Damian Lillard, Gilgis Alexander for Oklahoma City has been unbelievable. Luca's great. Steph's going to make it. Um, Darren Fox, Devin Booker. And, and that's just, you know, not even taking account. Maybe Desmond Bain, if he comes back and plays enough games. It could be all-star worthy so there's just so many good guards in the west dylan brooks is not an all-star level player he's a very high end nba player when he has his head screwed on right and and plays good team basketball but his numbers i mean 18.3 points a game you know under four rebounds under three assists he's had a very nice season so far and played very very well the last few weeks i'm hard on him but i i do admit he's played very very well the last few weeks to me he's not an all-star level guard in the nba now jaron jackson jr With the way that he's impacted this defense, look at the numbers, Xavier, right? The team defensive numbers since he's come back have improved dramatically, and he just looks great on the court, I think. His splits are good, 50% from the field, 37% from three, over 76% from the free throw line, and the three-plus blocks a game. He looks great, but again, he might get squeezed. If we get some injury replacements – uh, I could see then Jaron Jackson getting added. One other final note, being near the top of the standing certainly helps, doesn't it? If the Grizzlies have the number one or two seed going into the all-star break, that certainly elevates, I think, in in, in the NBA, the, the voters and also then the, the um, people that make the final decisions would, would, I think, be more willing to put Jaron Jackson in. He looks like an all-star to me. Dylan Brooks does not.
1: Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that. If we're number one, the voters will be more lenient towards us. Because you, if you go back and remember that 2015 season, that Atlanta Hawks team, they had four all-stars of – I mean, you had two capable all-stars of Al Horford and Paul Millsap. But Jeff Teague and Kyle Corver being all-stars, in reality, they're not all-stars. They're great role players. But they were the number one seed that year, and they was playing pretty good basketball. So Dylan could be able to get that push. But I want to mention this. We look at the same statistical stats from last year of Andrew Wiggins. He was a first-time um, all-star last year. You look at Dylan Brooks and, and Wiggins' stats compared from last year and Dylan's stats this year, it's similar. So Wiggins averaged 17 points per game, four rebounds, uh, four and a half rebounds a game, and two assists. Dylan stats this year, seven, 17 and a half points mm-hmm. per game, four rebounds, and three assists. Now, I know it is a drastic difference because Golden State got a way superior fan base compared to the Grizzlies. I know it was a lot of voters that uh, b- that pushed Wiggins to be an all-star last year. But Dylan Brooks, they have the same, basically same stat line. But I know deep down that, yeah, of course, Dylan Brooks is not likable outside of Memphis. And like you said, it's just a stack Western conference. There's a lot of people that's more deserving of being in that place instead of Dylan Brooks. But Jaron, I still feel like that he can be that guy. Um, yeah, but that's and,
0: a great point, Xavier, about Andrew Wiggins last year. And I did scratch my head when I saw that he was on the All-Star, and yellow and starting in the All-Star game. And then he sort of came back and justified it, didn't he, in the playoffs? Because he was yeah. really, really valuable for Golden State yeah. then in their run to the championship. Wouldn't it be sort of interesting if Dylan Brooks played a similar kind of role this year – and, and played a big part then in Memphis there for, in May and June, hopefully. And
1: you've, you, you say that, right? He becomes an all-star. Dylan Brooks became that all-star. I mean, Andrew Wiggins became that all-star. He played well in the playoffs. And guess what? He got a big payday. It was his contract year. If Dylan Brooks do the exact same thing, Memphis has to place a match on the table and say, like, okay, we might have to actually pay this guy big, big money if – I mean, if he pushed that All Star agenda, first of all, when you do get selected as an All Star, I believe that if you do get a pay increase. Uh, I don't know if that's if that's true or not. But then, yeah, like like you said, that similarity between Wiggins and, and Dylan Brooks, it, it's 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 close.
2: I, I think I, I need to mention one thing though. If you guys remember, there was some controversy around the Wiggins thing right like there was the whole thing that it like went viral between like k-pop fans and that like pushed him over the mark and that was like a big factor in determining him getting into the all-star game so i think that was a little bit of an outlier everybody that was the big that was the most argued all-star spot last year was that wiggins spot and there was some kind of chicanery that went on there to get him in over guys like rudy gobert draymond green and paul george despite not playing as well as those guys. So I think it's a little bit different situation, but something very similar could happen with Dylan Brooks. Again, going back to just the love of the city of Memphis, if everybody rallies behind him, it's possible. But the Andrew Wiggins thing is a little bit weird. But he ended up proving, proving it right. So in hindsight, it looks fine, but it was weird at the time.
1: Okay, moving on to our next segment. Of course, the NBA is a very volatile league. Any minute a team can get hot, and any minute a team can get very cold. So next segment, we're going to talk about our hot and cold takes around the association. So, Dave, what are your hot takes around the league that you have right now?
0: (laughs) So, the the, boy, every week we have something new to talk about, don't we? It's it's a fun league to cover. It really is. And and I'll tell you what's hot right now, Xavier, tanking season, because we are about to see the teams really start, I think, at the turn of the calendar to, to wobble for Wemba. And, and, and some teams, you know, frankly, the Wizards don't even have to try. They're just really average, to, to very, very poor right now. You know, they, they've lost what? Like they're, they're really playing poorly, lost 10 games in a row. And so they don't even have to try. But I think you're going to see some of these teams just start blowing it up. I think the Bulls and the Raptors, two teams that can make moves, that, that could be dropping. But, you know, and ironically, Orlando, who had a terrible start to the year, is playing great basketball. Uh, and so – they may be playing themselves out of the one with sweepstakes. But I, I think you're going to start to see now, you know, Utah is coming back down to earth. There's a lot of teams that have zero chance of winning the NBA title this year. And some of the stories were kind of nice at the beginning of the year. But we're going to see these teams now, I think, trade off their, their tradable pieces and make sure that they have a, a really good chance to get one of the top two picks. So for me, it's tanking season. Once we get through the holidays, Xavier, it's tanking season in full <laughs> All its glory.
1: All sights for Victor Wimbayamba, huh? That's what you got, Dave? Yeah, I think he's amazing. <laughs> all right, what you feeling is hot right now, Matt?
2: Yeah, uh, I got one for the league, and I got one that's Grizzly specific. I'll start with the Grizzlies. I'll start close to home. David Roddy, man. Uh, I got to be honest, I missed on that. I was all in on LaRavia over Roddy coming into this season. I thought LaRavia was going to be the guy that we were going to see what we're seeing from David Roddy right now. You can tell his confidence has skyrocketed. He he clearly feels much more comfortable on the court. And with that, he's been able to combine the things that Memphis wants him to do for them, which is the kind of 3 and D stuff, while being able to implement some of the stuff that made him really good in college, some of the the back-to-the-basket game that we've seen, uh, getting in the mid-range and finishing over smaller defenders. Uh, So it's been good to see his confidence rise, and he's going to continue to be a contributor for this team, I think, the rest of the season and has a chance to crack that um playoff rotation and be a big part of it uh when we go into that stretch run um towards the championship and then moving uh outside of memphis i'm looking at the mvp race man i think it's heating up the thing that's very interesting to me is i don't know if you guys saw the game that jokic had uh last night where he had uh let me pull up the stats he had 40 i know points and 27 rebounds was that the final on he that 27 uh, rebounds and 10 assists. So he had the 40-point triple double with 27 rebounds. Uh an unbelievable game. Problem being, he is the back-to-back winner of the award. Uh, and on the other side of things, in Boston, uh, you know, with them losing back-to-back games uh to the magic at home. Uh Jason Tatums, if you're a gambler like me, you you saw that his uh value has he 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 dropped from about Uh, plus 195 round there to uh, plus 250 something like that kind of dropping those odds so uh, I think that it's going to be really interesting Jokic in a lot of ways has improved um, and I'll talk to them uh, talk about the Nuggets a little bit later in the show as well he's improved in a lot of ways but it's going to be really hard for him to win another award and I think the guy who we all thought was going to win the award coming into the season Luka his team continues to struggle and Winning does play a part in it, same as we were just talking about with the All-Star stuff. So, uh, really interesting race uh, for the MVP that I think is heating up right now.
1: I mean, I'm I'm not going to lie. That Jokic game last night, that was almost Wilt Chamberlain-like numbers. It was Wilt Chamberlain-like numbers. (laughs) Man, that that was ridiculous. But for me, for my hot takes I got is what Dave was talking about, Orlando. Orlando being on their six-game winning streak, beating Boston back-to-back. And a crucial component b- behind that is because I feel like it's Markel Fultz. I know he's known as a bust. Uh, he has like a wonky jump shot. People don't really didn't know what he what he was capable of because he missed so much time. But he's a great playmaker, and that's one thing that the Magic was struggling. Like they had three guards, but they were all out at the beginning of the year between Hampton, Cole, Anthony, and Fultz. They was all injured. Now you got the now I I, I think the Magic truly knows who, who's going to be that starting point guard going forward in this Folks because he's a great facilitator he's uh, he's patient and then you got uh, such a unique lineup out there between you got almost four you, basically with uh, the Magic lineup you have four six ten four players at six ten and above between Banquero, Bobo, uh sometimes yeah. Franz Wagner and um. Wendell Carter, like that's ridiculous. And those guys, yeah, they're able to create shots and they're unique in their own way, but you still need a point guard that's going to be able to give them easy baskets. And I think Folks has done a great job behind that. So that's my big hot take right now for uh, the league, like watching Orlando become a, a, be on a six game win streak and beat the number one team in the East twice in their home arena.
0: That is very, very impressive. Yeah, they're, they're in Atlanta tonight. That's a good basketball game. Yeah. Good, good test for the Magic to keep that going. If we're going to do one more hot take, I think we do have to say, mention to Dylan Brooks and how well he has played. And he does take a lot of grief from Grizzly fans on Twitter and even in this space. And he's not my favorite player on the team. We talked about him earlier. But he has played really, really well the last couple of weeks. I believe his last 10 games he's averaging close to 20 points and his shooting splits are are improved. So I think he deserves, you know, if we're going to criticize players when they don't play well, it's nice to call them out when they are playing well and contributing. And I think he's done a lot to contribute to this winning streak.
1: Yeah. All right, now let's swing to our cold takes. It's a cold front coming in. I know at least in Tennessee this upcoming week, it's talking about re- reaching negatives, almost negatives here in Tennessee. So what, what what are some cold takes that you have right now in the league, Matt?
2: Uh, yeah, something that's not been hot <laughs> Especially for the Grizzlies, I-, I wanted to focus on them for this, are these trap games. And I think that that's what we saw happen uh, with the Oklahoma City loss. I think back to right before that current w- or that, that winning streak that we just saw in started, the last loss before that was the Minnesota game. Well, what happened right before the Minnesota game? They had a huge win in New York City at Madison Square Garden with a jaw triple-double. They stayed an extended amount of time in New York where they partied as all young 20-something kids who are in the NBA should. I have no problem with that. But um, that was – and then they come out in that Minnesota game and they look terrible. And that's, I think, very similar to what we saw happen with Oklahoma City. It was a huge win against Milwaukee, maybe the most perfect basketball game I've ever seen, the way they dismantled Milwaukee. And then they couldn't show up in Oklahoma City. And this is a really tough road stretch coming up. So I hope that they got it out of their system and we see them turn it around uh against the Nuggets and and, and turn it into uh that Christmas Day game and and, and all this West Coast swing they're gonna have going. Uh hopefully they got it out of their system. As I said, I don't knock them. They're a bunch of young 20-something year old dudes with a ton of money. I'd be doing the exact same thing in their situation. I think we'll probably see a couple more of those games this season, but it is tough um when you put a smack down like that on a an NBA championship contender in Milwaukee and then you lay a dud in Oklahoma City without SGA on that side so um, that that's what's not been great for the Grizzlies this season and that may be the only thing
1: yeah that was a pretty anti-climatic loss against OKC a lot of people really thought that there was going to be a walkover game especially no SGA and Josh Giddy. but what are your code takes at the moment right now Dave what are you feeling this ice cold out here?
0: Kind of lines up right with what Matt said. I think that this past week we saw the best of the Grizzlies and we saw the worst of the Grizzlies. And, and I think that these young teams, Xavier, a big component to getting through the regular season and then getting ready for the playoffs is maturity. So I think what's cold right now is a little bit of the Grizzlies maturity. I love their youth. I love their exuberance. They're fun on the Internet. I love the little clips when they're doing the walk down, you know, before they come out onto the court. But we don't need John Morant getting ejected. And I don't care what the reason was. Who he was talking to, maybe the referee had a quick whistle. But I think there's a piece of this team that still needs to grow up a little bit and contain some of that youthful exuberance. Don't lose it. But they have to play with it all the time. And become to become a championship team, you have to keep your composure. We saw it last year in Golden State. Dylan, I felt, lost the composure in that second-round series. And at times, he still gets a little too hot for me on the court. And, and, and John has been kicked out now of two games this year, correct? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I would just like to see a little more balance. I think Danny Green talked a little bit about what he can contribute to the team, some of that veteran leadership, and maybe we're still a veteran leader away. Keep the keep the enthusiasm, play with heart and spirit and all that, but I, I, I don't need to see any more rejections because we're, we're talking to fans or screaming and yelling, and I, I need a little less of that.
1: Yeah, they could have, uh, especially John Morant. Um, That that was a pretty, not a great ejection. I know a lot of people are siding on the referee, saying that they are a little bit too emotional this year. But at the same time, like, you got to be mindful of the words that you're saying. Even if it is to a a fan, you know the ref is going to be around. Like, once upon a time, Rasheed Wallace got got ejected for staring at a referee. So. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, these referees, they're pretty emotional. Oh, uh, so I got two code takes right now. Starting off with the Lakers. I know they don't—they uh, won two games in a row, but Anthony Davis, man, he just cannot beat that injury bug. Like, it's so sad. And it was just going up in the air. How do you sprain your ankle in midair? I've never seen anything or heard anything like that. So, yeah, he's without he, – the Lakers are going to be without AD for a minute. And I don't think the Lakers are – I mean, they weren't going to do anything anyways, but they're not going to sustain that level of play without Anthony Davis because although that the Lakers are losing, he is playing at an MVP level. Like, this this is the best we've seen Anthony Davis in a long time. And then next I have is Golden State with Stephen Curry being out. I know Jordan Poole last night dropped 43 points, but, man, they are in trouble without Stephen Curry because – who is going to create shots for others? I don't know. Stephen Curry is really their whole volatile offense. And I want to say something to the Warriors fans. Going back to last year what Stephen, I mean, Klay Thompson had said about Jaron Jackson saying we got strength in numbers. Let's see how, how how that's going to bite back to you now. I don't want to hear nothing on this Christmas game. You mocked us saying that the strength in numbers mess was straight crap. So, guess what? Let's see how great are your strength in numbers. I don't want you no excuses. Y'all come up here and play because Memphis, they coming out, they giving out the gift of a smackdown. I guarantee you that no matter who's out there. So, yeah, those are my two
0: cold takes right now. that's pretty good. That's pretty good. And none of us mentioned Zaire Williams. Uh, they, that's good. So, we got through this segment without mentioning Zaire and his uh, 6% three-point shooting I had it written down in my notes, but I okay. I, I didn't
2: want I didn't want to pile on the kid. Let's give yeah. him some time. But um yeah, it's not look great. <laughs> but I think we got a little bit spoiled with how, how good Jaron's looked in his return. And I think maybe we expected that too show for Zaire, but he'll he'll figure it out.
1: Yeah, most definitely.
0: Well Zaire, one last thing before we move on to the next segment. But what you just said though about the cold with the Lakers and the Warriors, it could really it's deep sinks uh deep six both their seasons, right? Uh and, they they've been a thorn in the side of the Warriors for us. It'd be nice to kind of have them bounced out of the uh, or put in the play in tournament or something, and maybe keep the Lakers completely out of it. So this could really work to the Grizzlies' favor uh, when we get into the playoff season. I, I'm not going to cry if the Warriors are not in the in the final eight.
1: <laughs> I don't think nobody in Memphis wouldn't be would uh, be all sad or crying if the Warriors don't make the playoffs, <laughs> especially <laughs> their emotional. The emotional matchup last year. Yeah.
2: It, but as an NBA fan, that would be a great playing game seeing LeBron and stuff go at it. Uh, Mm -hmm. and Dave, that's, that's a dollar in the Xavier, uh, and Zaire tip jar right there. You just dropped. (laughs) (laughs) I told you we're going to, we're keeping track now. I'm just messing with you. But but, his
0: name's written on the screen here. It helps me it's written on the screen and I still screwed it up.
2: (laughs) That's all right. I'm just just messing with you. But, um, I I am with you, Xavier. I I, I don't want to hear anything from him. It's very funny to think back about that now that they kind of jumped on us for the strength of numbers thing. And I think that part of that was they expected to come back this season and their young guys be so much better. And James Wiseman's in the G League. So, so much for strength and numbers there. So much for being light years ahead, uh, as their GM said. But I I, I am a little bit upset that Steph's not going to be in this Christmas Day game um, because it puts us in a really precarious spot where the the Grizzlies get their first Christmas Day game. And if they lose, we're going to hear about it. So, I mean, that puts a lot of pressure on them. I, I know they're going to come up. That That is not one of those trap games that I was talking about with OKC in Minnesota. The boys are going to be ready to put the smack down on them. But you, you, better, you better be ready to win if you're going to talk a lot of trash in that game. And I think it will be a fun matchup.
1: Oh, I feel like it's a guaranteed win for the Grizzlies. They've been circling this date for a long, long time. So, I'm ready for it. <sighs> Okay, now swinging into our next segment. This time we got a little history lesson with Dave. So, Dave, the NBA just announced some new NBA awards changes. So, they changed the top all the top league awards to players that's basically that's known for their clutchness, their winningness, and their defense. So, for example, they changed the MVP award to the Michael Jordan Trophy. They changed the point Defensive Player of the Year award to the Hakeem Olajuwon Trophy, and they tra- they changed the Wil- they changed the Rookie of the Year award to the Wilt Chamberlain Trophy. <laughs> so, Dave, um, obviously, it's it's you can really name a lot of these trophies for different players because there's so many players that's won multiple MVPs or multiple Defensive Players of the Years. Do you feel like that the NBA did a great job naming this, or you feel like it should have just stayed? exactly how it should have been
0: yeah when word came down that the nba was renaming uh, some of the season awards i i just kind of scratched my head i mean who, who wanted this who asked for this where was the initiative that i didn't know this was going to happen it kind of came as a complete uh, surprise to me and if you go into wikipedia.com and look up the uh, nba yearly awards they give out quite a few more than you might originally think I did, for example, I didn't realize to give out a Wayne Embry Trophy every year, or, or the J. Walter Kennedy Citizenship Award. I didn't know that we have a Clutch Player of the Year Award. I mean, there's quite a few awards here that I, I was never aware that the league even handed out. But I, I guess the thing that's kind of weird is I, I sort of like when trophies are bigger than a player, and by putting a player's name on it, I, I don't I don't like that in itself. I, I know there's the the let's see, we have the um commissioner the Larry O'Brien trophy for the championship team but you know he was he was an important commissioner and sometimes we honor like the Pete Rozelle trophy in the NFL uh, an executive that really changed the game change industry but when you name it for a player I, I don't really love that because then the players coming after that sometimes the eclipse even the accomplishments of the player the trophy's named of, and, and and maybe that's my biggest kind of gripe with this is, first of all, how did they choose the names of the players they honored on these trophies? And secondly, I mean, LeBron's going to retire one day. Are we going to, like, scratch off Hakeem Olajuwon's name, and now it's a LeBron James defensive player of the year? I mean, you know, think about some of the current players. Kevin Durant's going to go down as a top 15 player at all time. We have great, great, great basketball talent right now, and they just renamed all these awards. And, okay, so everyone loves Michael Jordan. He's the greatest of all time. But I don't understand necessarily why. He doesn't have the most rings. He doesn't have the most points. He doesn't have the most MVPs. I understand his cultural importance with Eric Jordan. I understand he's 6-0 in the finals against, let's face it, mediocre finals competition. He never won a championship when Magic and Larry were healthy. They were the tail ends of their career, and that's being kind. And I just find it very – so he's the MVP award now. Why why is it not the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar trophy? Kareem has more. Kareem has yeah. the most points. You mentioned the, <laughs> the Wilt Chamberlain Rookie of the Year trophy. I thought that was kind of a joke. Um, you know, it's kind of just the All-Star Game MVP's Kobe Bryant. Why? Because they wanted to give Kobe an award named after him. Seems random. Seems thrown together. Who was asking for this? Uh, and by the way, I did have one thing for you, Xavier, that I thought you would love. Do you know who won the Hustle trophy last year?
1: Oh,
0: uh, it, was it Dylan Brooks? No, it was your favorite, Marcus Smart. There you go. Had to be. Had to be. be. Ah, Marcus Smart. So how about he he, – you think he puts that right next to his Defensive Player of the Year trophy, the Hustle Award?
1: (laughs) Most certainly not. But
2: No, (laughs) I don't
0: even – ask both of you, you Matt, starting with you, when you heard the news they were renaming these awards, did it seem like a great idea and you couldn't wait to hear what the names were going to be? I will say yes, and here's why. The alternative was –
2: they It used to just be a corporate sponsorship. It was just the Kia Most Valuable Player Award. So from that sense, I understand why they did it, and I don't hate it. It's very similar. This is clearly like the second wave of what they did last year with the Eastern Conference um, mm-hmm. Finals MVP being the Larry Bird Trophy and the same in the West for Magic Johnson. The reason I'm glad that we're talking about this is because they that is exactly what you said, Dave. Why have they locked themselves into these guys? There's two that definitely stick out to me. George Mikan is the most improved now. Why? like it, the, the And I'm with you about the Jordan thing, too. When I think MVP, Jordan is not the thing that comes to my mind. Maybe it should be. Maybe it shouldn't. But that's just not the, the player that I most associate with it. And I'm surprised now that they have locked themselves into these guys. And I hope that they change it 20, 30, however many years it should be from now. When I think about the most improved player, man, the the number one guy that comes to mind is Giannis. Like we're talking about one of the great developmental stories in the entire history of the NBA, a guy that, you know, was not the top five pick that, um, you know, was touted, like guys like, you know, Joel and, and Wiggins and, and Jabari Parker from that draft. And Giannis has turned into maybe the best player of his generation. Now look at the same thing that you said. What are we going to do with LeBron? Like Wilt Chamberlain. Obviously, one of the greats of the game of all time. But like, if I think Rookie of the Year trophy, like I just can't think of a guy who was more ready to come into the league and dominate than LeBron. One was his first year, and obviously, I never saw Will Chamberlain play. I didn't have tickets to his rookie season, but I remember LeBron coming out of high school and dominating dudes in a much deeper and more talented NBA. And I hope that, and and I hope that down the road we will see some of these change. The thing that I think that they missed the most, is it, it's a good point you bring up with the all-star game MVP being with Kobe. I'm surprised that they didn't maybe make him the MVP overall. They obviously um, have put an emphasis on honoring Kobe's memory and legacy over the last couple of years. Um, and I guess, yes, it makes sense to make it Jordan. And then the defensive player of the year one, like Bill Russell just passed away in the same way that you honor Kobe with all these things. Like That just seemed like a no-brainer to me. I know he's the finals MVP award, but it seemed like that one was a no-brainer. Like, that's uh, that that one made uh, more sense to me. So, I, it's interesting. I'm glad they did it from the aspect of it now has a place in history with historically great players, and it's not the Kia MVP award. But I think they maybe missed on a couple.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I really feel like they missed out, and uh, it's sort of permanent now. Like, I just look at the six-man-of-the-year award to John Havlicek, bro. And I mean, don't don't give me no disrespect. I know Hondo made a big shot. Was it I think it was in the 1973 <laughs> NBA finals. But if you had Jamal Crawford that's been a three times three times six-man of the year award winner, he, you know he's an automatic six-man. You think of Jamal Crossover, you think of just straight six-man buckets. Lou Williams, straight six-man buckets. And you gonna put John <laughs> Havlicek over them? Like you said,
0: Kevin in my generation, Kevin McHale was the best sixth man in the league for the Celtics, and he's a Hall of Famer, right? Yeah, I mean, I know Havlicek is too, but Kevin McHale was the definitive sixth man for a generation, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I feel like did you
1: just basically have like somebody that was sort of 70 years old come up with the names of these awards? No offense to like the older generation because I mean, uh, yeah, these guys are valuable, but no, like you said, Matt, uh, going with the what is it? The rookie of the year, the Will Chamberlain award. I would even put Magic Johnson at that award. I mean, I know that made him the, I don't know what they made him the Western conference of the year award, but Magic Johnson had that magical run of coming into the league, winning rookie of the year and winning the he, championship. No, he did not.
0: Magic didn't win rookie of the year. Larry won it that year. Well,
1: yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Larry won rookie of the year, but magic won the championship. He, yeah. he stepped up big yeah. and he stepped up and play center when, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar didn't, uh, was out. So, i feel like these awards they have to be able to change the names of them Within probably they gotta do that at least i feel like every so often 20 was it probably 10 each decade at the end of each decade they should think about changing these awards and that even goes on to like back to saying, uh back in the day like jerry west is saying now that he feels that somebody else should be the logo it is jerry west is just stuck as, as the logo right now it's been a lot of speculation and a lot of complaining, like, we need a new logo on the NBA. Like, it shouldn't just stay in one place because there's so many greater players that has, surpa- that has surpassed and continue to grow. So, you, I look at this awards change. they gotta, they got to be able to do that. It's got to be flexible.
0: So, as this is the history segment, I mean, it's interesting that the I think the intent behind this was, was justified. They wanted to honor the greats of the game as much as possible. It's just kind of strange some of these examples we're calling out here, right? Uh, and, and, and by honoring the past with players, it, I think it, it's going to be interesting, as you mentioned, Xavier, what are they going to do then in the future with some of the greats of the game as well? <laughs> so Jerry West mentioned him. Uh, he did win, by the way, the executive of the year in 2004 for the Memphis Grizzlies. I thought that was interesting. If you go back and look at the history there, we have two winners now. Zach Kleinman winning last year. Jerry West won it no 04. certainly uh, the logo uh, yeah, he made a great impression if you could change the logo and we can't use the Air Jordan Jumpman logo which to me is a fantastic logo it's a great logo uh who, who Xavier would would you do the Kobe you know kind of fade away wasn't there a, a Kobe one that they mocked up that looked like that was gonna be the new logo yeah
1: that's what everybody talks about the Kobe Fade away. Yeah, that would be perfect for the NBA brand. I mean, he's influenced so many people, especially the players today. Uh, It's still sad to know that he's not here with us anymore. But he had so much influence into the NBA. Or I even feel like you could put like Iverson. He has so much hype around him in the 2000s. Everybody wanted to be like Allen Iverson in the 2000s. I know his career He only had one finals appearance. But most certainly, Kobe Bryant deserves it, and because I mean, he's so culturally iconic with that fadeaway. When you shoot a a fadeaway just in a wastebasket, you're saying Kobe to, to, <laughs> to shoot it. So you it's it's like it, it, why not have him there?
2: I I want the uh, as as a consideration the the silhouette of Jaw dunking on Aaron Baines. That that was a classic one. Mm. Um, also, a big fan of Dirk. A little Dirk uh, fade away would be good as well. But, yeah, it seems like they did miss an opportunity with the Kobe. That that was really their best chance to try and change it um, if they were going to do that. And I wonder, you you go back, Xavier, you mentioned um, they wanted to honor the last generation. I wonder how much that plays into this as well as, as an olive branch to the older generation as we see guys like Charles Barkley and Shaq continuously dump on the young guys. I wonder if they're trying to bring them back into the fold by – remembering honoring bringing them back into discussion of the nba is an interesting thing to think about
0: last note here before we move on there is only one person who's ever won every individual award that you can win in this league and he was rookie of the year the mvp finals mvp executive of the year and coach of the year is larry bird and that's something he's won he's won every award that you can win he won coach of the year, too? Yeah, he was coach of the year with the Pacers, I think, '99 or 2000. He was, remember, he was cool. he coached the Pacers for, for uh, four years in the, in the late 1990s. They yeah, had I the just – Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, no, no, when they had that finals appearance against the Lakers in 2000, yeah. Bird was their coach. Yeah, and there they, you go. He's won every yeah. award.
1: Yeah, and then he was executive when Paul go. George was there when they – Played pretty good defense and made that spectacular run against the Heat. So, yeah, Larry Bird is pretty up there, valuable as a player accomplished. Sliding to our last segment for the day, we're going to do our top four teams, the college playoff, college football playoffs rankings. I know they did it last week, but I wasn't a part of it. We we'll just want to go ahead and run it back. And um, so what we got right now, who you got is your top four teams in the league right now, Matt?
2: Well, before I get to my list, the the reason I wanted to do it this week, I want to recap our list from last week. We had Boston number one, Milwaukee two, New Orleans three, Memphis four, Golden State and Denver five, six. So we had a major upset in our top four college football playoff rankings of NBA contenders with Memphis just absolutely dominating Milwaukee. And I think that that really may have shook up these standings a lot and I think put it on a national discussion that these grizzlies are for real and as i said in this segment last week i have totally torn, turned a corner on this team i think that the ceiling we, we have no idea what the ceiling is right because we have yet to see desmond bain and jaron jackson on the floor at the same time jaws looked incredible jaron's been great in his return we have no idea how good this team really can be and they are primed to make some moves at the deadline if needed so I really have turned a corner, and I think, you know, if we look at it from the college football playoff perspective, which is what we've made this whole segment around, I mean, if you're the number four team and you beat the number two team, you move up in the number two, and that's where I'll start with my list. I still have Boston at one. I know they just lost the two games to Orlando, but if you look back, they had been um, on a road trip that started December the 4th, I believe, December the 4th through that first um Orlando game so coming off a huge road trip coming back home it's very similar to what we've seen a lot of the times when um, teams play the the Grizzlies when guys sit out some guys just don't get up for those big those, those games against lesser opponents um, so it doesn't really uh, knock me off the Boston Celtics as the number one team but Memphis as I said with a huge upset um, like, at least in terms of our rankings um, to move up into that two spot man I'm really excited that game told me a lot they came out and dominated Uh, Start to finish, especially Dylan Brooks on Chris Middleton. That was a really fun matchup to watch, and he locked him up. And Chris Middleton has been bad um, just in general since his return. But it it was crazy to see him try and trip Dylan like that. Like that, you don't really see that out of Chris Middleton very often. But that's what Dylan Brooks can do to you. So I got Memphis at two, and then Denver moved up into the three spot for me. As I said, Jokic with an unbelievable uh, game last night. I watched the entirety of that game. They came out a little lackadaisical in the first quarter, second quarter absolutely jumped Charlotte, got all over them, got out in transition, and they can do it in a variety of ways. They can play you in the half court, kill you with outside shot making. They can beat you in transition, moving the basketball as well. I like Denver, um, and I don't think very similar to Memphis. I don't think we've seen the best of them yet. They still have a lot of guys um, coming back from injuries, coming you know, sitting games here and there. Uh, as Jamal Murray still works his way back from his injury. And then number four, I still have Milwaukee in my top four. I think that their ceiling is that of a championship team because we've seen it before. Giannis is still one of the best players in the entire league, if not the best. But a little bit of a concern. As I said, Chris Middleton not been playing well since he's come back. Drew Holiday goes out shortly after he returns. So they have real problems, and we saw that in the Memphis game. If they don't have Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton continues to struggle, they can't win a title. But as of right now, I still have them in my four spots. So that's Boston, Memphis, Denver, and Milwaukee for me.
1: Good list, good list. Pretty interesting that you uh, put Milwaukee back down in, in number four because, I mean, if you look at the standings right now, they've overtaken Boston. Well, that's because Boston has been losing. But, yeah, Milwaukee and Boston are tied up at number one if you look at the Eastern Conference standings at this moment. But, Dave, who, who, who do you have on your list as your top four teams right now in the league?
0: I have really been a fan of the Celtics this year, but I didn't like that they lost both those games to Orlando at home. I can understand one, but I thought it was really interesting that the Magic can't turn the corner on them, too. I, I still think that we're a player or two away. I would look at it like our window is now, let's push our chips in the middle of the table. I think the Western Conference, we can win it. I think we match up actually very well with Milwaukee. If we would see them in the finals, we saw not just because that one game, I just kind of like what we saw from that game strategically. I, I think it would be a good X and O segment coming up Zader, in, in a future show. Why we looked so good against Milwaukee. Maybe it was Steven Adams playing, you know, great defense there on Giannis, but I, I, I am going to put Boston second. They're still a really, really good team. I think they're going to get it figured out. Third, I'm going to come around with what you guys have been seeing with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And, and they're playing good basketball right now. In fact, I think the top of the East is, is maybe a little better than some people think. We talk about how we think the West is just the wild, wild West, right? Oh, my God, so many great teams out West. I don't know. I think the top four or five teams in the East are pretty solid. And the Cavaliers are playing excellent basketball. I like them at third. And then I have Milwaukee fourth. So I'm going to keep them in now. But I'm, I'm telling you the, the team that I really think I'm going to vote for here soon are the Brooklyn Nets. I think they kind of got through a really challenging time. Now they've won six in a row, nine of the last 10. They're climbing up the East. And I, I think before, uh, before too much longer, when we do this segment again, I think Brooklyn's going to sneak its way in. And I, I, if Kyrie can you know, right, it's, it's keep everything together, they have a lot of talent. And they have two of the better players in the league. But I, I think the biggest change for me, Xavier, is that the East is really bad at the bottom. But I think the top is solidifying itself a little bit and we're seeing some really good basketball teams emerge.
1: Yeah, you're right about that. Compared to the West, it's going to be a wild, wild West. It's going to be a bloodbath at the bottom of the West. Everybody's trying to make the play-in or trying to avoid the play-in compared to the East. So with me, I'm rolling, of course, with the hometown team, Grizzlies being number one. we just been kicking tail. Simple as that, and we look great now. We don't have Bain. And the guys just stepped up, and I really feel like we we match up well against anyone. I don't care if we lost that uh, that game against OKC. Things happen, all right. Number two, I'm still put. I'm gonna put the Pelicans because man, the Pelicans they scare me. I want them on the opposite side of the bracket when we play a, in the playoffs. They can be number. I mean, we could be number one and they could be number two. But I don't want to see them at all in the semifinals. I want this as a, as a Western Conference Finals playoffs matchup right there. Okay, now number three spot, I'm putting Cleveland. Like you were saying, Dave, Cleveland has really impressed me. Donovan Mitchell as a leader, he's showing me that he is a leader and he can really play some great basketball. He's playing defense. I remember before the, the season started, we we questioned uh, could Donovan Mitchell actually play defense. J.B. Bickerstaff has done a great job adjusting him into mm-hmm. the defensive schematics there and with the Cavaliers, and I'm glad to see that um, Isaiah Mo. I mean. Evan Mobley's playing great basketball. I know Jerry Allen just coming back. He's playing great basketball, and you got Darius Garland. He's being that orchestrator for that, that Cavaliers offense. And for my number four slot, I'm going to put Boston again. I feel like those back-to-back bosses against the Magic, that did drop them down for me. But um, they do get Rob Williams back this week. So that's going to be huge. Their defense is going to get a lot, be a lot better, and that's a lot of threat. Now, I want to say what you say something about the Brooklyn Nets, uh, Dave. So I see them coming to rise, right? But I look at the teams that they're playing against. They're they're winning against bottom tier teams. They haven't beaten any good teams in the West or in the East. They struggled last night against the Pistons. Last night, KD and Kyrie had to put on a performance for them (laughs) to pull out that game. So yes, they're winning, but they're not beating those good teams, those elite teams out here in the West or in the East. And it's I'm not gonna say that's too concerning, but at the end of the day, when the playoffs come, you gotta beat those elite teams because that's who you're gonna play. So uh I'm I'm keeping my eye on them. So hopefully if they get some good wins, I think they gotta uh, I think they have a big, big week this upcoming week. They play against the Nets Friday. So I'll keep an eye on that game and see if they can actually beat Giannis. But until then, I know those are my four teams. Well,
0: and I think you're going to see a little bit of the same thing with Memphis this week, with Denver and then Phoenix, then Golden State. We're going to learn a lot about this team before we do our next podcast. I I, I think this four-game road trip is really interesting. And and stubbing our toe against the Thunder, uh, you know, if we could have gotten a nice win on Saturday night, I, I feel like, well, we could maybe go one and two over the next three games and maybe go two and two on the trip. Uh, puts a little pressure down, I think, to win two out of the next three, and I don't think any of them are gimmies. And, and Golden State's going to be revved up, I think, on Christmas too, no matter who, you know, suits up for them. But uh, I, it's because it's interesting you say about, you know, Brooklyn's not necessarily beating the best teams in the league. I, I would argue Memphis hasn't either. Uh, and so we're going to see what they do now here against I think, against a little bit better competition.
1: Yeah. What the what the rank is looking like right now, Matt?
2: Uh, I yeah, I was just uh, doing the math real quick. Hey, Dave, you, you had Memphis at one, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I was just double checking. Sorry, I lost it there for just a second, but I think I think we're good. But yeah, I have um, so our overall rankings now. Memphis making their first appearance in the number one spot. Uh, that, that was that was two first-place votes and one second-place vote. Um, Boston still holding strong at two. Uh, and then we have Cleveland. And then in the fourth spot, it is New Orleans. And looking uh, on the outside, looking in, it is Denver and then Milwaukee. Milwaukee with a huge um, drop for sure, coming off that Memphis game. But they are playing New Orleans right now and did have the lead just a second ago. So, again, these standings changing uh, constantly. But, yeah, very interesting. Memphis taking that first spot. Memphis, Boston, Cleveland,
0: and New Orleans, top four. I think it's an interesting exercise in how some of us value different things in different teams. You guys are much higher in the Nuggets than I am. You're much higher on Cleveland than I am. You know, and I'm higher on some other teams than – Perhaps you two are so it's kind of interesting. But we we're watching the same league; it's sometimes we we'll see it a little differently.
1: Yeah, it's such a volatile league. You just never know what's going to happen, and that's what's so fun about the NBA. You got to watch it every single night, man.
2: And I will say, it is interesting. I have I have yet to rank New Orleans yet. Both of you guys um, have talked about them, Dave. You had them last week, I believe, and they are in our four spot. I I still struggle to believe that they are going to be a real Western Conference contender. Um, I love their roster top to bottom, but I think that over the summer, they're more set up to make a big splash move for another guy. I, I just, I got to see it first. I, I just have a hard time envisioning um, those guys winning and, and, and who's holding the MVP trophy in the finals after that. Is it Zion? Is it Ingram? Is it CJ McCollum? I don't really know yet. Um, and when I look at my list, Boston, Memphis, Denver, and Milwaukee, you can I, I can absolutely imagine all of those teams winning. And even more importantly, I know who would be the finals MVP if they did win. And I think that that's a key part to if you win an NBA title, you have to have a guy that just takes over the entire playoffs and is a lead dog like that. And I don't know who it is on New Orleans yet.
0: Oh, man. So, Xavier, last week we talked about the Grizzlies maybe trading for Jimmy Butler. If, it, if We talked about it in, in climate corner. He'd be a good fit. And, and I just couldn't get that out of my mind. I just think it, the championship trophy is there for us this year. I don't think anyone is outstanding. There's a, a lot of good quality. So the name I keep coming back to is DeMar DeRozan. If the Bulls keep slipping, I thought, am I crazy talking me out of that? I mean, you know, Brooks and a couple picks and maybe, you know. Xavier Tillman and, and LaRavia and, I mean, wouldn't DeRozan be a great fit on the roster?
1: DeRozan scoring production wise, it would be a perfect fit for us, but defensively it's awful because you look at the Bulls defense last night, they gave the temples 150 points. <laughs> that is terrible, man. And they was yeah. just literally walking inside the paint. So, I I see it offensively. Like, yes, it would be lovely to have mid-range Bucket bucket getting right beside Ja Morant with DeMar DeRozan or even Jimmy Butler, Jimmy GB. I call him Jimmy gets Buckets. So – yeah, but Jimmy Butler, I would most definitely love him because, I mean, that's a alpha dog right there. That's a leader. He's always striving to be better and wants to win, winning, winning. That's, that's what Jimmy Butler is known for. But I just don't see us making any moves. Kleiman has yet to create, has yet within his four seasons, he's never made a midseason acquisition. I think there's a big reason because he knows when these teams, when the team comes together, they're a unit. And he doesn't want to break that apart. Everybody has one goal and has one goal and that's winning. And they do want to go to a championship. Last time the Grizzlies made like a big acquisition move during the mid seasons. And that was the grin and grin era, It was 2015 when they tried, they made that trade for Jeff green and thought that was, that was the big move for them to make it to the playoffs. Jeff green did not have a good turnout here. And, and to be honest. So, and then he did not fit along with Zebo and the other guys. So, It is a big risky play to do those midseason acquisitions. So, I I, I feel like that I like how the roster is structured. I know a lot of people feel like we're just that one player away. I feel like we got to ride the squad out. That's that's just my personal opinion.
2: I'm with you. I think that this team needs to get one last chance at it here this season. But I will say it's very interesting. There's no real trade rumors at all, even though December 15th was supposed to be this kind of date where the trade – market started and I think a lot of it has to do with so many teams are bunched up in both the east and the west teams are two three games separated from being either at the top of the conference or in the lottery so like like there's just so many teams that I think think they still have an opportunity and are not willing to give it up um all their guys I I I don't see the Bulls uh, the Bulls just strike me as an organization that does not want to give up and go through this rebuild process again because they did have a couple years where they kind of did this soft rebuild already and this was supposed to be the roster that was going to get them into the playoffs and I, I that's why i don't really see DeRozan getting moved at all but i i think he would be a nice fit on this roster for sure but i don't think we see anything until the summertime like xavier said
0: i mean they're 11 and 18 the bulls
2: Right, but if you look at it, though, it's just so – they're they're not that far away from some of these other teams. And I, and it's going to be really hard for them to catch up with, like, Charlotte, Detroit, Orlando, who, like we just said, went on a very small winning streak and got out of the bottom of the East and are now, like, within shouting distance of the play-in game. And you got to look at other teams like Indiana and Toronto that are going to probably go into that tank mode, like you said, for Wim Bam Yama. Like, I, I just think Chicago's not that far away from – crawling their way up the standings. And I think that that's why a lot of teams just haven't really talked about making any moves right now because there are so many teams that are in the middle right now that could go up or down.
1: And let's not forget last year, right, with the Boston Celtics. They were uh like basically immediate – I wouldn't say mediocre, but they were struggling. They were like 18 and 18 around this time. They did a huge turnaround, a huge turnaround. They found a groove. They played great basketball and they had made a streak. And guess what? They made it to the NBA finals. So you just don't know. Like I said, this league is just so volatile. You just never know what's going to happen, and the competition is just so high right now. So I, I, that's why everything has just been so steady on on a steel. But I do feel like some acquisitions and trades are going to happen eventually. But yeah,
0: I'd be a bad owner. Get me DeRozan. I want DeRozan. <laughs> you cannot get into Rosen. I'd be. A, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be a good owner.
1: <laughs> okay, that's going to wrap up this episode, you guys. I appreciate everyone tuning in to the latest episode of the Core 4 Podcast. We're here for your hardcore Grizzlies and NBA news. Matt, why don't you go ahead and tune the people into your socials, where they can find
2: you? Yeah, I'm at Matt H. Gill. Make sure you're following the uh, show's page as well, at the Core 4 Podcast and at SBN Grizzlies for the Grizzly Bear Blues page uh on twitter as well and check out grizzlybearblues.com for all that written content thank you guys for uh tuning in i appreciate it
0: all right dave where can the people find you on your socials check me out on twitter at dlb 19338 8 and by the next time we record we'll have had the christmas day game it will be exciting look forward to uh talking about that with you guys and uh wish you and yours happy holidays good to be with you today
1: great being with you as well and you can find me on twitter at underscore xz at, at underscore at at, I'm sorry, at Time Takes. And then you can find me on TikTok at underscore XZAY. I got that confused. But yeah, appreciate you guys checking in on us and tuning, tuning, tuning in with us. Y'all have a good night. Stolen by Morant.
0: Hammer. Nail. Open. This baby is over.